I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. NBA season is suspended indefinitely because of the coronavirus pandemic, but Warriors off-court is still going. I'm Connell Letourneau, and even though I'm sheltering in place at my apartment in Alameda, I'm still bringing you the news about the Warriors and the NBA. How players like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are handling the shutdown, how the coronavirus crisis will change the team's plans, and how basketball can get back to normal. It's all here on Warriors Off-Court, which can be found on your favorite podcast app. On today's episode of Warriors Off-Court, I'm joined by Kevin Dana, the longtime play-by-play announcer for the Santa Cruz Warriors, to discuss Thursday's news that top recruit Jalen Green will forgo college to join a reshaped NBA professional pathway program that's partnering with the G League. During our conversation, we went in-depth on how this program could change draft evaluation, and for that matter, college recruiting as we know it. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Uh, as you know, as our listeners know at this point, you are my go-to guy for everything G League. And the G League has come up quite a lot this season. Uh, the Warriors lead very heavily on Santa Cruz. Uh, a lot of pertinent storylines going on down there. And today, there was G League-related news that could have a massive impact on not only the NBA, not only the G League, but recruiting in general, NCAA, other professional leagues overseas. Um, Kevin, what when you heard that Jalen Green, the top recruit in the 2020 class, projected number one pick in the 2021 draft, was going to go to the G League and join this new player development program through the G League, what were your initial thoughts? I mean, the phrase that kind of came to me initially was, it's a monumental moment for this league now. I kind of thought we were going to get it last year with Darius Baisley. He said he was going to go play in the G League, and of course, got that internship with like a million dollars, I believe, and it worked out for him, him first round pick with uh, Oklahoma City. But this was kind of, there were kind of two frontiers that the G League, I think, was hoping to cross in the near future that would really kind of legitimize it in the eyes of people who, who don't work in the G League. I think people in the NBA and G League recognize it, its value and its worth. But to kind of legitimize it to the public, two things I think needed to happen. One of them was to get, like, NBA All-Stars doing rehab assignments in G League games, not just practices. It's not very practicing with Golden State. Definitely uh, with Santa Cruz, I should say. Like, the next step would be for that All-Star to play in a G League game. And then the other one was to get a five-star, top five-ish recruit out of high school to play in the G League for a season. Thought we were going to get that with Baisley last year, get it with Jalen Green this year, and now there are reports that that uh, guy Isaiah Todd, I believe his name is, he's decommitted from Michigan, might be a part of this, and then there's a few other names that they think could be part of this new G League, uh, this new G League uh, affiliated team kind of uh, 
not exactly a G League team per se as far as uh, competing for a G League title, but uh, it, it's huge. And it, it might not change the everyday life for G League players and coaches who aren't affiliated with this team, but any exposure that the G League can get as a result, I mean, it's there to serve the NBA. And this is a huge thing for the G League to be able to kind of better develop prospects or further kind of the NBA's mission statement of developing young talent. This this is a huge day for the G League. I give Adam Silver and Sharif Abdurrahim, Sharif, who's, uh, is he the president of the G League? He's the the main president of the G League, yeah. Yeah, the president of the G League, uh, former Cal guy. Um, a lot of credit for how they went about this because uh, they they basically saw that there was a need and they they needed to fix it. Um, you know the fact that guys like Lamelo Ball and R.J. Hampton were traveling all the way across the world to play in the Australian league um, for one season before going to the NBA just doesn't really reflect well on the developmental system that the, the NBA was trying to build in the G League. And and I think the problem was, even though they had good intentions last year when they initially unveiled this pro pathway, um, and I, th- I think that, you know, there was a good idea there with with, with guys making $125,000 and things like that, I think they realized pretty quickly that they needed to do much more to entice these high-level guys because these guys have a lot of options. You know, they could – uh, they could go to one of many different professional leagues overseas. They could go to the Blue Blood college programs, or they could just sit at home and sign endorsement deals and, and wait until draft day. And those are all honestly viable options for, for someone like that. And I think the problem with the the last model of, of this pro pathway was that, you know, there were – a, the money probably wasn't good enough. 125 is not near what guys were getting paid in Australia and, and some other overseas leagues. The other thing is that I think there were a lot of concerns from these players and their families about being thrown into some random, you know, small market, small town type team where you're living on your own in, say, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, or, uh, or Stockton, California, or something like that. And you're you're forced to be an adult right away, and go up against high-level basketball players who might not have the greatest reputation because they're not in the NBA. But you and I both know, having been around this league, that a lot of these guys who are in the G League are guys who are just as good as you know a quarter of the guys currently in the NBA. So if they're not uh, if they're not holding their own against these guys. Physically, maybe they're not ready. I think a lot of uh, outsiders might look at that and, and, and think it reflects really poorly or that they're not living up to the hype, given just the reputation of the G League. So I think there were there were a lot of understandable trepidations, and that's ultimately why Baisley backed out and Rich Paul, his agent, uh, convinced him not to go forward with that plan. And so I give I give Sharif Abdurrahim and, and Adam Silver a ton of credit in looking at what do these guys want, and what do we need to do to make this a viable option? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that assessment 100%. Because, yeah, it, it's one thing, you know, playing up 
uh, playing against, you know, top five recruits from Kentucky who, you know, could project to be very good players or they could project to be guys who play two to three years in the NBA and then playing against, say, like a 33-year-old point guard like Jeremy Cargo, who we, we know has NBA-level talent. He showed it when he was with Golden State this year. There just wasn't a, a, a spot full-time for him. Going up against a guy like that who was in his prime or just a little bit past his prime, who is playing at a very high level. I mean, those kind of guys, those veteran guards and, you know, veteran players could expose 18- to 19-year-olds. So uh, I think, yeah, I, I think how they have kind of set this up is, well, maybe it's not like from a G League fan perspective for, for those who do follow the G League uh, uh, rather regularly. Like, all right, you probably wish you could see them play 50 games with, a season again and, and be like on a team or like a local market, but it, it doesn't necessarily make sense for these high school kids to do it like that for the reasons you mentioned. So, you know, I, I was reading some ESPN article, it looks like maybe 10 to 12 games, exhibition foul against G League teams, then you play against uh, like international academies or other national teams from, from what I read. I, I, I think that's a, a really nice setup for these guys and, yeah, do something a little bit different to make sure that you're getting these guys here in the first place. Up the money, uh, you know. There, I, I read one report that Sam Mitchell is a candidate to be a coach for for this team. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if that happens. But you know, a, like a coach like that mentoring these 18, 19 year olds, and you mix them with veterans, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's a great setup uh, for these uh, top high school prospects who are going to be one year out of uh, secondary school. Yeah, there's still a lot of questions, but if let's say they can get five, six high-level recruits uh, and put them on this team with Jalen, which seems realistic given uh, the top-level guys who have yet to commit anywhere, um, guys like Kai Soto, um, Thon Maker's younger brother, you know, these are guys who would make a lot of sense. Obviously, Isaiah Todd, who you mentioned earlier, would make a lot of sense to go this route. If you can put those guys on a team with Jalen, and then round out that roster with kind of the Jeremy Pargos of the world, with those guys who are well aware that, you know, their NBA ambitions are probably over, but they have some NBA experience and they have some high-level extended professional experience. Those guys can come in and mentor, you know, these, these future potential stars in the NBA on a daily basis. And to me, that sounds like, an amazing opportunity for everyone involved. I know talking to someone like Jeremy, he seems like the type of guy that would really enjoy that type of opportunity, you know, because a lot of these guys who, who've been through the ups and downs, they want to give back, you know, they want to, they want to help bring along that next generation. And I think a lot of these guys would be really uh, excited about that kind of opportunity. And, and there's also those guys out there who maybe, you know, still, feel like they want an opportunity in the NBA or or want some bigger professional opportunities. And there's going to be so many scouts and so much attention on this team. You know, not only are they going to be at every uh, game or exhibition that, that this team plays, but I'm sure there's going to be open practices and a lot of things like that. And so, you know, this is going to be uh, a sought after team in a lot of ways and from what we're hearing it's probably going to be based out of LA which is not Hidalgo Texas it's not 
uh, Stockton. It's not Sioux Falls. It's not Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, so uh, to me, this if I'm someone like Jalen Green, if I'm someone like Kai Soto or a five-star guy with definite lottery potential, there is minimal downside to this path. I mean, I know it's new, and, and, and so there's always some risk involved with anything that's new. But Sharif Abdurrahim and, and Adam Silver have done such a good job of eliminating every concern these guys could possibly have. Yeah, and, and that's a good point. I the, the one thing I am curious about, we're talking about how it's a positive for, for veterans who would be on this team. I am curious as to, like, the type of veteran that is attractive to this offer and would end up playing with the Jalen Green and uh, Sonos and makers potentially of the world. Is is it going to be a guy like Jeremy Pargo who is 33 and is, you know, thinking about a, a potentially you know, life after basketball as a coach or something? Is it going to be the 24, 25-year-old guys who are looking for their first shot in the NBA? Do they see this as a as uh, their best option, is it you know the 26, 27 year old guys who maybe have had two years of NBA experience? Do they see this as a route back to the NBA? And I'm curious as to like how much these veterans would get paid because all right, they're they're saying five hundred thousand dollars for these 18 to 19 year old kids. Now, are you going to have a you know a 30-year-old or 26-year-old? Is he going to be on a standard GUI contract of $35,000 without an NBA affiliation? Uh, I, I think that part is going to be really interesting to see how that plays out because, yeah, there are going to be a lot of eyes on their games, but they're going to be playing fewer games. And so I think that's an interesting trade-off that the, the veterans will have to weigh. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a, a really interesting point, but – you know, one of the things that I definitely thought about when, you know, they initially announced this pro pathway last year, and obviously it didn't get really much traction, was just the locker room dynamics in the G League. The G, the G League environment is a fascinating environment. Um, it's part of why I love writing about it. Uh, there's so many uh, different personalities, people in, who have different types of stories, and a lot of a lot of guys, you know, in the G League are, are striving to make it to the NBA, and that can mean that they want they want shots, they want minutes, you know. And I think that's the hardest part about being a coach in the G League is, is learning how is figuring out how to have some sort of ro- roster and on court cohesion when you have all these guys trying to get numbers up to make it to the league. And um, it would have been fascinating and potentially disastrous, I think to have a 18-year-old kid who's ne- never played professional basketball go into a G League locker room with guys who've been fighting and clawing just for an opportunity to be seen by NBA scouts and be making exponentially more than them yeah. uh, and, and potentially be taking away minutes from guys who are two-way guys or, or trying to land an NBA contract um, that would be, I think that would be tough. The thing about this situation and, and this pro pathway is that wh- whoever ends up, what whoever ends up going to this team is not a recruit. You know, if it, we keep bringing up Jeremy Parker, but those types of guys who end up deciding to go to this team, they're going to know what the situation is 
before they go there. So they're going to be signing on and agreeing to it, knowing that Jalen Green is making way more money than they will be making. Um, And so I think that 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 can help mitigate potential issues uh, because everyone involved knows the situation, whereas if if Darius uh, Baisley had ended up going to the G League, whatever team he ends up on, a lot of those guys didn't necessarily sign up to be playing with a Darius Baisley. So Darius Baisley shows up, and it's like, cool, bro. Like, you know, I'm actually even better than you, and you're making five times what I'm making. That's really not cool. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, that that's true. I guess what I'm, I'm curious to see is, like, who are the kinds of veterans that, like, sign up for this? Like, how how many people? How many veterans would be interested in an opportunity like this? They like they're gonna need if they get five or six players, uh, like from you know the class of 2020, then they're gonna need you know four to five veterans. Like, is there gonna be a line out the door of these kind of veteran players, or is it gonna be a, a much smaller pool? I, I'm just curious to see like kind of how how that breaks down. We'll have more of my conversation with Kevin Dana right after the break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. One thing that's interesting is how this whole thing kind of came together. Uh, normally, when you have uh, a major announcement like this, you would you would just you know have a big press release, maybe have a news conference. I know that would be tough given the current state of things, but you could do it on Zoom or what have you. Uh, you would have something to, to 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 get out in front of it. But, but what happened was. Uh, Jalen Green announces that he's going to the G League. He says that he's going to this this uh, this player this uh, pro pathway thing. And when he said it, you know, I I've written extensively. I wrote a big feature on Jalen recently. I've spent time with him. I was even confused by what exactly that meant. I'm thinking, is he going to a team? Is there is this is this something else? Like I know I know that there was the pro pathway, but the way he announced it kind of made it sound like he wasn't going to an actual team that exists currently so I was confused and then shortly thereafter ESPN drops a report with full quotes from Street from Doraheem and other guys so you know that it already reported this detailing the intricacies of this situation so my understanding and, and this is just an assumption based off the series of the timeline of events is that the G League decided we need a guy who's going to be the face of this, a guy who can bring excitement to this and legitimize this. Jalen Green is the perfect player to be that guy because Jalen Green is one of the best high school prospects in the past decade. He is he's drawn comparisons to LeBron James, to Kobe Bryant. I watched all his highlights. I've spent time with him. I've seen him shoot, seen him play. He is a guy who I honestly think 
could help an NBA team right now. Um, and he is, to me, a sure thing. And, you know, a lot of these other guys we're talking about, the Kai Sotos of the world, the Todd's, I have no idea if they're, how, if they're ready for even a G League environment. Jalen Green, will, will if he was playing just in a normal G League schedule next season, would be probably the best player in the G League. I think he is a future all-star, that type of guy. Um, so the, he is the perfect person to be the first. And I think what happened was they recruited him. He said, they said, hey, you get to be the start of this new thing, the face of this exciting new program we got going. And then, you know what, since we we want to be as amenable to you as possible, so we'll let you have your little moment. We'll let you announce this, you know, on your Instagram Live and and, and and, and get it out there before we even release details of this. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you know how everyone has been saying we're only paying, you know, 125 Yeah, we're going to throw you $500,000. And you can also, because you're going to be a pro, you can start sign, signing endorsement deals. It's already coming out that he's getting seven-figure offer shoe deals. So, um, you know, how how is an 18-year-old, can you turn that down? Yeah, I mean, what he he could be made. I, I you know, with that seven figure shoe deal, a two million dollars next year as an eighteen year old. Yeah, and, and yeah, that, that was a good point you bring up. How he announced it on IG Live. He said, "I'm joining the new something like I'm joining the new G League team for rising." So I don't remember his exact wording. It was confusing, though, right? Yeah, like when, when you when heard he it, weren't you kind that, of confused? Yeah, when he said that, I'm like, wait, have like at first I was like. He is, uh, he's got something wrong about this. There is no – they haven't announced a new team outside of the team in Mexico City. Like, uh, I hope he's got his uh, his uh, ducks in a row. And, and then, of course, uh, all, all the stuff comes out. And I see the Sean Sharania tweet, and I'm like, oh, okay, all right, that's what he's talking about. And then it's like, oh, they're going to be in Southern California. The first thing I'm thinking about, well, there, there's uh, they used to have this the place with a Bakersfield Jam player. Are they going to play there? And then it's like, oh, then it's in L.A. I'm like, oh, are they going to play where the Lakers' old practice facility is? And, like, I'm trying to think about the division alignment and all that stuff. And then, of course, all that goes out the window because it's going to be 10 to 12 exhibition games potentially. I'm I'm not sure if all those details are official official yet. But uh, as stuff came about, like, uh, yeah, it was was interesting to kind of get all this information in about, like, a 45-minute span where, yeah, I mean, I, like, someone like me, I, I had no idea that all, all of this was kind of in the works. I think they did their best to to make this, you know, exciting, to make this newsy. They tried to keep this a secret the best they could, but obviously this had to have been in the works for a while. I went to uh, Napa three or so weeks ago and spent an afternoon with Jalen and, and his parents and his sister and, and for a bigger that bigger profile I talked about earlier and um you know whenever I talked to him about his decision he was very reserved not not giving up a lot of details but talking to the people around him um it sounded like what I was hearing was he's probably he, he's not seriously considering going overseas and, but you know when I when I say to these people uh well Jalen said that he is there's the thing about going pro. And they're like, yeah, he is. And in <laughs> retrospect, I'm really mad at myself for not connecting the dots there. Um, but the reason I didn't is because this was not considered 
a viable thing for players of Jalen's caliber until now. Um, and under the previous yeah. model, I don't think the G League would have made sense for someone like Jalen. Um, and so, but but now it's like, okay, well he's not going overseas, but he's going pro. So I guess G League would have, <laughs> you know, yeah. been the obvious thing. And, and you know he 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 uh, he he kind of he kind of tried to throw people off the the path yesterday. He had a he had an Instagram video where he's like, big decision come in, and he had the Memphis hat, the Auburn sweatshirt, and then an NBL shirt. No, no, nothing G League. And someone had actually gone back into his his, his Instagram and found a picture of him in his apartment with a G League hat on the on the table. And Jalen <laughs> actually went out and circled the hat and said, someone's photoshopping stuff into my pictures. And then when he made the announcement today, he was wearing that hat. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know. I was talking with uh... – it's David Resnick. Uh, he, he's a Westchester Knicks broadcaster. Good guy, friend of mine. He's like, hey, I didn't even know they made G League hats. So I was like, yeah, I, I haven't seen any of those. Uh, he, he's got a collector's item there. But, uh, yeah, no, it, it was really interesting to see how that all played out. And kind of like what you were saying, I mean, to kind of, kind of get your back on this. Like, even I, who I've broadcasted the G League for eight years, I, I'd like to say that I have a good pulse on what's going on. I kind of forgot about the professional path this year because no one was on it. And it's like, oh, okay, I guess this didn't work. Maybe it'll work in the future. But, like, I literally didn't think about it for, for a good while because it wasn't in use. And so I, I think a lot of people could be, you know, forgiven for, like, not really thinking about that G League option all that seriously because no one had taken it. And it had been out there for quite some time. Yeah, and, you know, I think that that had to be disappointing for the G League and for for the NBA. And, you know, the NBA is the top league in, in the world. That's not even debatable. And I think there was a little bit of embarrassment um, when R.J. Hampton, LaMelo Ball went to Australia. And, and, you know, everyone's streaming their games online that got a ton of attention. I'm sure Adam Silver was privately steaming, thinking it makes literally no sense that someone would need to go across the world to do this when yeah. we should have everything in our disposal to create that opportunity for them stateside. And, you know, 18-year-olds, you know, generally speaking, they, they want to do what, what they're comfortable with. And I'm sure the average 18-year-old, between going down to LA and, and getting a nice apartment or, or house with their family for, for a year, uh, as opposed to going to Australia or, or a country where they don't speak English, I'm sure they'd much rather go to LA. Yeah, exactly. And, and for Jalen Green, what was that a two, three hour drive off from Fresno? Right? Yeah. And, uh, where, where he's originally from. So yeah, I mean, it's even, uh, even more convenient for, for a guy like Jalen Green, and from an NBA perspective, and this is you know one thing that I've kind of been saying for a while, and you know, been you know as G League players try to get higher salaries, and, and there has been progress in that with the the uh, the upping of salaries to thirty five thousand dollars, and hopefully that's a number that continues to go north. But it's like if you're the NBA, you're the best league in the world. You want to have 
all the best assets under your umbrella. And, and so what, what's the way to do that is, you know, one thing is to, to raise the pay and you know, bump that up to $500,000 for, for this professional path for, for this new team, for these high school guys. And, and uh, yeah, you want to have the best prospects possible. Who the best, you know, the best non-NBA players, you should want to have uh, them under your umbrella, as many of them as possible. And so today was definitely a, a big step in the right direction. And I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm happy about this because I feel like college sports, college basketball in particular, has become such a mockery. Um, it's such a sham. I mean, you have especially with these one and done guys, you have these these five star guys, you know, a lot of them as 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 has been reported now, as FBI investigations have revealed, are getting money under the table and from different back channels and you know, what to for, to go to a school for a semester, you know, you as you know being in college, you can you can fail, you can literally not go to a class and all semester and you can still survive that semester and fail out and then just move on and go prepare for the NBA. So the entire, the entire idea of these one and dones has really in a lot of instances become a charade and it gets to a point where it's like, if we're, if we're just going to, if we're going to just, let's just stop pretending that these guys are student athletes and let's call it what it is. If you want to go, if your goal is to be in the NBA and you've proven and shown that you have the potential to do that, then just go pursue it and do it. And let's not, let's not, let's not play any games here, you know? And so I, I respect someone like Jalen coming out and saying, I want to be a pro and I'm going to, I want to do what's best for me. And, and, and I'm not going to pretend like I, I want to be going to class right now. I mean, if I was yeah, in the no. same situation as him, I would do the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I would too. And, you know, people will say, "Oh, well, you, you can't, you know, put a price on the college experience." Well, it's like, well, you're you're not gonna make, you know, X million dollars as a twenty year old or whatever. Like, you need to go to college. It's like, it's also it's like, it's kind of a college experience. I mean, yeah, if you're, these guys are literally there for a semester. You know, they, it's, it's a lot of them don't even really have to go to class because they know that, you know, they know what their future is. You know, Kevin Love has openly said, he's like, I guess I was a, technically a comm major at UCLA, but I never went to a class. It's like, <laughs> yeah, why would you? You know, you knew you were going to yeah. be a lottery pick. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it's like another thing is I don't think this is the death knell of college basketball. But if people are still going to want to cheer on their alma mater, there's still like a lot of really good players who need to, you know, who can't develop into pros until they're 22, 23 years old. Like uh, I, I think, I think in some respects, college basketball will be better off not having, uh, you know, these clear cut pros um, in their system with, you know, with, you know, what came along with it with, the FBI investigation and all that. Not to say that that won't continue. Of course it will. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, as, as someone who, who does love college basketball, I've worked in college basketball for plenty of years, it, uh, that's going to be just fine. I wouldn't be worried if I was an NBA fan. But it, at the same time, it, it's good that these top caliber guys who can be pros as 18-year-olds, 
don't have to deal with that kind of charade, as you say, for yeah, for I mean, a semester. We're talking or about a pretty small section of yeah. people here. Um, exactly. There's the there's a lot more Obi Toppins in the world than there are Jalen Greens, and by that I mean guys who are late blooming, guys who you don't start to look like NBA prospects until they're 20, 21, 22 years old. Uh, so we're talking about a pretty small group of people, and, it, and the, the reality is the NBA and the G League are going to be discerning about who they give these contracts to. Um, they're not, yeah. you know, if some three-star guy is like, "Hey, I want to, I want to do this," they're, they're. <laughs> so I <laughs> highly doubt the G League is going to say, "Hey, we're going to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars in you." And one more thing, I just, I think the timing of this is interesting in that the NBA is is losing tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, potentially over a billion dollars if they don't play any more games this season. There's so many questions up in there about uh, about the coronavirus. The fact that they're doing this right now just shows you how serious they are about yes. this. I mean, it, it, this is quite a major financial investment at a time when finances are a real concern. Yeah, no, that's a great point. It kind of shows the immediacy of this because, like, while people think that the twenty-two, uh, the twenty twenty-two NBA draft would be the year where you can come straight out of high school, like that's not Some a people done think deal. Some year, even. Yeah, it's, like that could happen, but it could also not happen. So, uh, you know, you want to cover your bases, and. Um, yeah, no, it, it is interesting to, to see the NBA kind of go all out with this right now. I mean, I, I love it. Someone who, who works in the G League, it's only going to make things, uh, you know, put more, give the league more exposure. It's good for everyone. Um, yeah, it's a, it's really interesting to see, and it gave me like a a little benefit. Like, obviously, we can't predict any of this stuff, but it's like. All right, cool. It kind of gives me a little more hope for next season. You, you know, assuming there is one. That, that all right, that maybe there this means there's a better chance. Obviously, we, we can't say that because we're not all desperate. But it gave me more hope that there would be a next season. Um, right. That, that they're going to invest this kind of money. Someone like Jalen to go bank on there being a G League season next season, as opposed to flying all the way across the world and moving to Australia. Right. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I think that also uh, it was kind of a perfect storm of factors, but I think that also helped the G League's case and is, is a strong pitch to, to these guys who might have been seriously looking at going overseas. Uh, mm. So um, no, it'll it'll be fascinating. And the, and the reality too is that this is at its core really kind of an academy system. So even if they couldn't play the full ten or twelve exhibition slate. They're going to be able to, you know, hopefully, potentially, be training with high-level professional basketball coaches and getting mentorship from high-level professional basketball players. And, you know, at the at the very least, you would think that uh, scouts would be coming to their practices and that sort of thing. So, thanks, Kevin, man. I appreciate it. That was good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Connie. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Our thanks to Kevin Dana for joining me on the podcast. I always appreciate his insight on the G League. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 